listening to Over the Oxa podcast with Tracy Cole for all things to do with the mind for equestrians. Okay, today I'm going to start with a few questions for you. I want to know why is it that after listening to the news that you maybe think of the negative stories far more? They they kind of lodge in your brain more. And maybe our brain starts to think of them as somehow more important. I mean, why do journalists love a good old disaster? Or why do they like a fall from grace? Why do they like the negative things? Why is it that after a ride, you could recall all the mistakes and errors and hiccups and little boo-boos even more readily than you can think of all the things that went really well? Why is it that the first thing that flashes into your head is a negative? Why is it that if you have an argument with somebody, when you recall the argument later on, you can recall the flaws, you can recall anything that they said was a little bit grating or hurtful, Why is it that we can do that more than thinking about the bigger picture and this person as a whole and some of their better characteristics? Why is it that if you've ever been embarrassed or even humiliated and you think about that situation again, it can still make you cringe and you might even blush You know, it's something you hate to recall. And why is it that when you have an exam that has negative marking, so I'll explain that in a second for people who haven't had a negative marking exam, but why is it in those exams you spend so much more time contemplating and thinking about the answer than you ever do in the normal exam that's marked positively. So a negative exam marking, for instance, in multiple choice, you get one mark for the right answer, you get zero if you leave it blank, but you get minus one if the answer is incorrect. So I remember at uni, some of my exams, just a portion of them, the the multiple choice part, and sometimes just the practical exam part, was done with negative marking and that's really challenging for the brain because you know that not only do you miss a mark if you don't guess but if you guess and you're wrong you get a minus one so that that mindset's really really challenging and it makes you really second guess yourself why is that? Well, all of these things have got to do with something called negativity bias, and it's hardwired into all of us. It's that risk perception, if you like, that we have in our brain, and we have it so that negative information is so much more easily recognised. So hazards, risks, things that can go wrong, negative what-ifs, all of those 
come to mind so much more easily than any positive or positive benefit or potential benefit even. So the positives are outweighed and and even more than that, we internalise and we store negative memories much more easily, often more deeply and in a way that we can recall them far more clearly than something that was positive. If you can think of a negative comment that you've had, maybe about your riding or even outside of riding, and you think about that negative comment, and it might be something that your logical mind is telling you is cruel, unnecessary, untrue, but it doesn't really matter because that negative comment is far easier to think about, mull over, chew over, ruminate on, go round and round in circles and you're thinking about it than a positive comment. And you might feel that about a dressage sheet, for example. So you get your test sheet back and it's got some really lovely comments on it, but you are so drawn to the negatives. As humans we tend to feel a greater emotional response when we're hurt or we've had something negative levelled at us than we ever would do if we receive some praise or we had a compliment. And we have that great ability to recall insults more than praise. And the same with anything that's negative, even if the emotion is approximately the same. Isn't this curious that we all do this? A man called Danny Kahneman, who's a Nobel laureate, he's an economist, but he asked a group of research participants to imagine that they were given, just really out of the blue, $50. And then he asked them to imagine what it would feel like if you lost $50. So obviously the amount's the same. So you would think the emotional response, would the level of it would be the same. But you feel worse losing $50 than you do when you feel good about gaining it. And you could try this for different amounts. So If $50 doesn't really cut it for you, it might be that if you thought about £1,000 or £2,000, £5,000, and you thought you had that as a gift right out of the blue, or you won it, you didn't even know you'd entered a competition, it was ages ago, you'd completely forgotten about it, and out of thin air, you got £5,000. Now imagine you've just lost 5,000 and it really does strike me that the emotional response, logically speaking, should be about the same, but it's not. You feel far worse for the negative. So what's going on here and is there some kind of underlying advantage to all this? Because If the human brain is programmed in such a way, there must be a benefit, mustn't there? Or are we all kind of made to be negative Nellies all the time? Well, we go right back 
to our cavemen ancestors. And this ability to see the negative, recognize negative, spot danger, learn from the danger, you learn far more quickly and far more deeply from something that's negative than you do from something that's positive, which isn't very nice. You learn to avoid that through a fear response. So it's, it's an unpleasant learning. But in that way, early humans were given that hard wiring of negativity as a default to keep them safe. And it helped our ancestors to stay safe and stay alive. Because when you think about the environment that they were in, they were under constant pressure to survive. Survival was not easy. You were under threat from wild animals because you were probably trying to hunt for the similar food sources. You were a food source as well, by the way. And that lack of food, you might have had times when you were starving. You might have had times when your shelter was destroyed. You might have had times when you couldn't keep warm, you couldn't make a fire. You know, there was real threats to your ongoing survival. It wasn't simply that your mindset wasn't what it should be. And this was hardcore. So in those days, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago, it really helped human beings to survive. And focusing on potential hazards was an absolute requirement. So what was going on? What goes on in our brains? And it's exactly the same as what was happening in the caveman brain. We just happen to live in a completely different society. So there are two little almond-shaped structures deep in our brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala are there to deal with emotional processing. And, and not only the negative emotions, you know, happiness is also dealt with there. But the amygdala do process emotional responses. They're part of the fight, flight, freeze and so on. They're part of that instinctive response. They're also there to shut off your higher thinking, your critical thinking, your logical thinking, when the emotions kind of flood you. And they're there also to store emotional events. So these little amygdala are responsible for the caveman brain being able to get us out of danger, save us from the wild boar, and the saber-toothed tiger, but they're also helping us to recognize danger as well. It's simply that our world is a lot safer and we don't need to be on that high alert all the time for negativity. So like many aspects of our minds, we can override this factory default And what we need to do, first of all, is to find the awareness. And that's so important in many aspects of mindset, to be aware of what you're doing, 
to be aware of the fact that you've just thought about somebody and you've thought about all their negative qualities and none of their positives, or you have thought about your last ride and you can list every single thing that went wrong, but you haven't considered all the things that went right. So having that awareness, catching yourself on when you do these things is really important. And then the second thing, once you get more and more aware, is to be intentional about thinking differently. And by intentional, I mean that you are going to change that neural pathway. So instead of going down the same old pathway of thinking negative, of seeing danger, of thinking about what ifs, of expecting danger, and so on, then you kind of take your mind along a different route. So a completely different neural pathway so that you get more balanced because it isn't that the world and people and events and riding are all negative. It's simply that a lot of the time, not all of the time, but a lot of the time, we're leaning on our automated systems which flag up potential threats, danger, to an extreme extent really a little they're a little bit heightened shall we say these responses and so we need to dial it down and make sure that we are having an appropriate response and that we are not dampening every single time that we expect danger or think about danger because again we need that caveman brain to be highly protective even in our more clinical, easy and less life and death kind of world. But what we do need is appropriate responses, balance in our positivity and negativity and being able to get the positives out that we usually delete right from the off, right from the start. We don't even recognize them. And to have that perception that's more in keeping with what the reality is. And a way to do this that's got a little bit more counterbalance would be by changing your self-talk. So I think a big way of doing this is rather than letting the self-talk just flow all of its own accord, then override it. Put some positive self-talk in there. And so when the negative patterns get activated in us and you are aware that you're going down that familiar route, then you can break the pattern. So you can start to check in on that negative dialogue and you can say something that overrides it. So for instance, if you find yourself going into the inner critic and you're telling yourself off and you're telling yourself that you should have been able to do this and you should have done that better, then counterbalance it with at least double the amount of positives that you can take from the experience at least double, maybe triple. 
Another big learning, and it can be connected to self-talk, is to remember that you can praise yourself for the tiniest little thing. So it's a good habit to get into that you think about praising yourself, giving yourself that metaphorical pat on the back. And you do it when the times are good and everything's just kind of nice and swimming and flowing and, you know, everything's just fitting in place. And you do it when times are not so good. So if you get into the habit generally of giving yourself some kind of praise, giving yourself something that sounds really positive, giving yourself something that you can say, I may not have mastered that yet. Yet's a wonderful word. It takes all the pressure off. I couldn't do it yet. I didn't achieve it yet because it gives that implication that you will, that it's coming, just needs a bit more refining or a bit more practice. So check in on yourself with your negativity. Check in and know that it is just a human quality. It is something that we're born with, but we don't have to live with it. And what you'll notice when you start to change the way you think and you start to add in just little sparks of positivity. You don't have to be Mary Poppins, but just adding in those little few sentences, few words, actually starts that butterfly effect of changing how you think about yourself as a rider, about your riding, and where you are in your riding journey. Thanks ever so much for listening. Let me know how you get on. Take care and I'll see you again very soon. 